of Dead is Not a Noun is sponsored by The Real Dads Week 2021. Honoring Black fatherhood worldwide, sharing honor, sharing love, celebrating real dads. Starting June 5th to June 12th, organized by the Rural Dads Network. Amazing week at acknowledging and recognizing fathers and father figures who are extraordinary role models and play such a vital role in the success of children. The Rural Dad Network is the only organization in the country that celebrates fathers for a whole week. They started with Black Father Week in 2008, but moved to Real Dads Week to be more inclusive, but their focus is still Black fathers. During these 10 years, they have given over 250 awards to fathers. They have been blessed to collaborate with many fatherhood organizations, community organizations, churches, politicians, and many individuals who fight every day to uplift fathers. To register for Real Dads Week 2021, the link in the description below. So for you, yeah, yeah. There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, hear that I'm behind you But always got you, end of discussion, nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a partake, cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, I've been down. Cause failing's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ishmael from Dad is Not a Noun. I hope everyone's doing awesome. Thanksgiving is around the corner. And so I thought, what would be a great conversation to have? Let's talk about friends and family. And I have my co-host with me today, my brother, Boyd Melson. Boyd, what's going on, brother? How you doing, man, brother? Thank you for having me on here. Thank the both of you. Very happy to be here. Thank you for jumping on, brother. So tell America a little bit about yourself, brother. So, uh, my name is Boyd Melson. I'm a major in the U.S. Army Reserve. Uh, I have one deployment underneath me, Iraqi combat vet. I do, I'm a retired professional boxer. I do my very best to help champion uh, causes the best I can. I give a lot of my time and my life towards that. And uh, I value myself by how the way I treat others. Definitely, definitely. And that's why I love you, man. And that's why we got a history. And I'm truly <laughs> blessed to have you on, man. That's love right there. And also, I'm truly blessed to have this gentleman on. Um, uh, not too long ago, we lost a legend, Chadwick Boisman, um, recently. Um, and it's just been an emotional, you know, roller coaster for the world. And I'm truly privileged and honored to have his big brother on. He is the pastor um, of the New Covenant Baptist Church in Tennessee. I have no honor than the, to have on Pastor Derek Bozeman. How you doing, sir? Great, sir. Great, great, great. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, sir. How are you doing? How's your family doing? How's it been since uh, COVID? Ah, man, that's a... 
that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> um, I'm okay. Blessed, blessed, still mourning, still uh, grieving, um, still, of course, dealing with COVID. You know, COVID is, is like a roller coaster ride. One week it's it's okay. Next week the numbers spike, so it's just hard to hard to get used to to living life like that. Thank you. Definitely, definitely. Um, I have a family picture, uh, you, as you can see. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that picture? Yeah, I can tell you a whole lot about it. Um, <laughs> I'm probably in high school right here, um, which makes me somewhere between 16 and 18. Uh, Chad would have been somewhere between six and eight. Kevin would have been somewhere between 10 and 12. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mom looks real, real young and pretty. She was always, I always felt like she was, she was, she was the prettiest woman that I knew, you know, growing up as a, as a, as a kid. So my dad had to be a real player. <laughs> to pull her, uh, and then and then seeing him, seeing my daddy, uh, it's just I see my family. Yeah, I see my family. Definitely, definitely. Um, also, um, who like when it comes to um, your brothers. Um, what was it like growing up with Chad and, and Kevin growing um uh when you guys were little? What was it like growing up with them? Yes. It was what I think was normal family family life. Um our household was extremely strict. Uh so it was it was I think it was stricter than the households of my friends and my neighbors. Uh, we used to get teased, at least I did. You know, I was one of those kids that I could go places, but I couldn't just roam. I couldn't just randomly roam around. I had to ask. So you can't just uh, leave the yard because you want to. They want to know who are you, who are you with, uh, where are you going, how long are you going to be going, uh, when you're going to be back. So it was a strict household. Absolutely. Boy, you got a question, brother. Sure. Uh, I'm interested, Pastor, uh, especially the effects on children uh, of life around them. And I'm really interested in what the experience was like for you as a daddy of your children while you had this super famous brother and then what they relate what it was like with your dad having to daddy your children after he passed please so being a father to to my kids with him being famous well my my kids ain't really kids they like they women <laughs> okay yeah they, yeah, they, are, they are they are grown women and my sons are also grown. I have I have two sons also. So my children 
range in age from 26 to 36. I'm older than I look like I am. You have some nerve. You have some nerve. But you know, I, I've taken many punches. Taken huh? many punches in my life, and I'll chalk it up to that. Not being able to tell. We just took that whole question. Oh. I do have another one then. So your brother passed while this experience is this experience is taking place that we're all going through together. And it what has resulted in families have shrunk to their nucleus. And that's really who you're spending almost any of your daytime with the majority. Yeah. How did you that dynamic play out to to go up to help you through the evolution of you losing your brother? The the dynamic of of family COVID. family unity during COVID? Yeah, having to be that way while at the same time you had your your, ba your baby brother take Um, for me, um, he had a major surgery in March, like right when COVID hit. And he wanted everybody to be there, like all the all the all the people who are in this picture. I don't know if you can see the, see mm -hmm. the picture or not, but we That's all we all flew to LA. And I was on a plane when there were like five people on riding on riding on airplanes. That was my that was my COVID experience. Um and being there in that situation and in quarantine, um, it 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 had a profound effect on me. Um, that it it actually took me a while to work out of being. I was kind of COVID scared, to be honest with you, because he had just had surgery. So when I got there, um, I had to be quarantined um, and we had to be really, really careful because he was just getting out of surgery. So we had to wear like mask in the house for the first few days of him leaving surgery. And in LA, um, the, the, the COVID numbers were like really bad in the beginning. So, and I'm a, I'm a person that moves about. Well, that's my that's my personality. So it it really, really, really has made me become a different person. It's made me settle down, actually. Um, but with the nuclear family that I have now, after after leaving there, because I was probably there for about three weeks, and then. I came back home, but the rest of my family stayed and I went back in August. So doing COVID with my family, um, I have an emptiness, so to, so to speak, but not really. My, my oldest daughter is here um, and my other daughter that's married, she lives less than a mile away from us. And so her and her husband, and she was she was she was pregnant. Uh, she had twins in June, so they would 
even though they have their own house and they're sitting a mile away, they would spend two or three weeks at a time here. So my and everybody works from home. So um, we've we've become we've always been close, but we are even closer now. And during Chaz last week, um, I think I went out like two weeks before he passed and they came oh, like a week after I did. So my whole all of my children were were actually in L.A. when he passed. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, but COVID, COVID's made us closer than we already were. Definitely, definitely. And then um, going back to your childhood a little bit, like who was the, the, the jokester in the family? Who was the one who played jokes between you guys when you were young kids? Um, I'd say it's probably me, you know, because I'm because I'm older and I still have that part of my personality. You know, I'm, I I uh, I like to joke and kid, but Chad like to laugh too um like they got whole videos of him just laughing um but i would have i would have probably been the been the jokester but we were we were serious most of the time though but if there was a joke it was it was probably me doing it and then growing up with your with uh with with with, with your brother uh Chadwick, when did you kind of knew that he was gonna make it? Like he was gonna be this big star. When did you when did that moment hit as a family? Like we, we got a major superstar in our family. Chad is so outstanding. Um like there was nothing that he couldn't do. Um so if he said he wanted to do something. You believed in it, like right then and there. So when he went from "I want to be a basketball player" to "I want to be a writer and and director," because that's what he wanted to be first. Acting came after that. When he said he wanted to do that, I'm like, "Hey, he's gonna be he's gonna be uh, the best at it." And when he changed to acting, I'm like, "He's gonna be the best at it because he's." He's he was just that gifted. Mm. And, then, and then also the dynamic. Um, Chadwick looked up to Kevin. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um he saw Kevin um because Kevin acts also. Kevin, Kevin acts, Kevin dances. Um he danced with Alvin Ailey. It's like one of the one of the uh, top dance companies in the in the world but as a as a kid he would have gone to the to the rehearsals and uh been sitting at the back of the theater watching uh but his his attraction wasn't necessarily what was going on on stage his his attraction was the person who was telling everybody what to what to do hmm. But he, but he gained that from following Kevin around, or just being the being the baby riding in the car with my mom. That's where he, where he picked it up from. That's awesome, boy. What question you got? 
How old was he at that time? How old would Chad would have? Chad would have been probably. Kevin was doing stuff from probably the age of 10 or 11 all the way through high school. He would have been between the ages of, I'd say, 7 and 14. Isn't that amazing what can shape somebody's future forever? Yeah. <laughs> At a young age, just being exposed to it, give them that, that itch, that little yeah. radar. Um, uh, so what do you think... This may be a little bit more of a deep question. I hope you enjoy answering it, Pastor. <laughs> what do you, you like how I did set that one up? That was, that was, my, that was my better stuff. <laughs> You're making me think already. <laughs> what, what do you think a son of your brother would have expected of him? So would be expected to be like or behave what values? And why? If he had a son, what would be the expectation? Yes, sir. Coming, coming from coming from Chad or from, from 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 your brother Chad. Yes, sir. I think he would have just expected him to to do his best and to be his best at anything that he put his hand to do. Um, I think that would have been the expectation. So it's not be the best, but be your best or his best, whatever his best was. What type of what type of kid do you think he would be in high school? Chad. Mm -hmm. Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man, because children can, you know, the Bible says train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. But that doesn't mean that he won't depart from it. He just won't depart from it when he, oh, he will, he will eventually <laughs> find his way back. So I, I was kind of, I was kind of a bad kid, you know. Um, but I came from a good household with good parents. And so if he was like Chad, then he would be good. But if he was like me at those, during those adolescent years, I got into it. I tried to do everything. I mean, so it's a, it's a, it's a toss up on how kids are going to turn out. Because you can actually do everything that you're supposed to do, but the but the but the devil can get a hold of it. So knowing your brother, how would he deal? How, how would he have dealt with having a son who was a youth? <sighs> he would he would love him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he would talk to him. <laughs> he would probably lay hands on him, but not. <laughs> Not to, not to bless him more to a, to a, to anoint him, because when you got a bad kid, you try everything. <laughs> I mean, you try prayer. Not a noun. That's why it is <laughs> not a noun. It is so an that's action. a setup question. It is an action. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you have a bad kid, you try everything to try to get them on the right path. Definitely. Definitely. Um, my question to you, sir, is what led you to become a pastor? Because I know you, you know, you were the, the troublemaker. So what kind of led you to become a pastor? Um, <laughs> I can just tell you the story. It may, okay. and, it may, and it may sound strange to you. I was not looking for this at all. I was 21 years old. Uh, it was June the 4th, 1987. I'm walking home or I'm actually walking to a friend's house early in the morning and out of nowhere, this voice starts talking to me. And it's like, I can hear, I, I can hear it audibly like you can hear me. And it was also like, it was, it was emanating from inside of me. So this, it was like a surround sound type of a thing. And it said, Derek, I have a job for you to do. And unless you do this job, everything else you ever try to do in life will fail. Mm -hmm. I'll start you out low, but I'll lift you up high, as high as you can possibly get, but you have to let your girlfriend go. And from that, um, I mean, I was already raised in church. I just, I, so I knew what it was. I was shocked by it, but I knew what it was. Um, I said yes to it. I um, immediately started reading the Bible. I think I read it from cover to cover over like a nine month period. And then um, I went back to being the person that I was before I got called. And um, probably spent about five years going back and forth before I finally preached my first sermon at 26. And then from 26 to 30, you know, I'm, I'm still struggling kind of, you know, and at 30, um, everything just kind of changed. So it took me a total of nine years from being called to, to really, 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 um, do it like I was supposed to, or or start to become the kind of person um, that I've ultimately become now. It's been an evolution of sorts. It definitely, definitely. And I do believe that evolution prepared you for your, your, your brother's death. Do you think so? And why? You mean the like evolution of the of the of, of of becoming of, of a pastor and embracing faith kind of prepared you for, you know, the, the, the death of your brother. I would say yes, because without faith, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be able to make it through it. I don't, I don't, I don't think even with faith, um, that first month was awful. Um, Like I couldn't sleep. Um, I would be up all night. And so when I should be asleep, I was awake. And when I was awake, I should have been asleep. And so I'm, I was completely thrown off from 
from the daily, you know, from the from the task I have to do and the it's like I had a hurt in my heart. It's like my heart was it's like somebody was squeezing it. Um it forced me to to talk to God more, you know, to make it through it. It was rough and it's still rough. Um, I was talking to my wife just the other day about, you know, how I'm always, I'm always thinking about him and what happened to him and, and why did it happen? And, um, just the possibility that, um, I don't know if I should say this or not, the, the possibility of everything that we see or that we saw that there could have been other factors that brought it on. Wow. And I can't say too much about that yet, but. Definitely, thank, no, thank you for opening up about that. I appreciate that. Uh, boy, you got a question? Sure. You know, I was thinking, Pastor, and thank you for just sharing what you did. Uh, your, that experience. You know, it's, when you said what got you back on track, it was because you heard a voice come and speak to you and, and we'll say that it was the Lord, we'll say or, or not, but something to that effect. And it just was interesting, psychologically thinking about the power of how you how someone relates relays information to another person and there's an art to it because i didn't expect the ending to be on a bad note you have to let your girlfriend go and it was amazing because if you, if that same information would have came to you with the first line being derek you have to let your girlfriend go and then everything that was said before followed behind it you would have been in you may have been in defense mode right off the bat and not more ready to receive than you were known it was made known to you how much you are cared for and loved by this voice and what they only want the best for you and this is what the best may look like before going in and, and sharing that do you ever think about how you may have taken it if they would have opened up by saying I don't know what your relationship was like with, with uh, your lady at that time, but uh, just regardless, did you ever think about what may have happened? Uh, you may have taken it if they would have opened up with you got to leave your lady. Well, I'm going to answer it like this. <laughs> I have been married to somebody else for 29, almost 29 years, and she is the love of my life. Right, you're a brilliant, brilliant man. Yeah, right there. She is the love of my life, and and we've been we'll be married for 29 years next month, and we've we've been together for almost 31 years. So, um, but to answer that question. I don't I don't think it would have mattered what the order was because I didn't want to I wanted to to do what he told me but I didn't want to do that part of it and I didn't immediately do it is the honest answer I I felt like okay you said all this stuff and 
I know you can do anything. That's been my understanding. And I know that you know everything, but maybe you'll let me fix this. You know, maybe you'll let me fix this uh, was what my mindset was. But it's like the it's like the tighter I suppose, the more she would slip out of my hands. Mm -hmm. So I was I was trying to hold on to something that wasn't meant for me in the first place. Wow, that's that's Thank you. so I was I was not obedient to that part. <laughs> what was said. <there. laughs> I'm tracking. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the honest answer. <laughs> and this woman that I'm with now, show you the picture again. Let's see the cat. The best. Beautiful. That you have a reason to thank God every day, specifically for, yeah. that, for him talking to you. Yeah. And honestly, um, the woman that he gave me is tailor-made for me because she and i'm not just saying this just to be saying it she she makes sure that i am doing the right thing all of the time because i have a tendency to to uh i think i might have adhd <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, so I'll do like I'll be doing a whole bunch of things at one time without focus, and she'll 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 remind me of what the focus item is, and I'll get focused. But that's an ongoing job, though. Yeah, your best medicine. That's right. <laughs> that's not how it should be. That's what any of us get only hope for. Definitely. If not have. That's right. Definitely. And then, you know, with Thanksgiving around the corner, how was it Thanksgiving in the Bozeman house um, growing up as well as adults? And then also, how will it feel like this Thanksgiving not to have uh, your brother around? Mm. Okay, I'm going to answer the first part first. Um, in the Bozeman house, it was... It was preparing to go to our grandparents' house, you know, as a as a younger kid, we would do actually my whole life. Um, we would go to usually my dad's parents' house first, and then we would go to my mom's parents' house. So it was, it was Thanksgiving spent with a whole bunch of aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents. Uh, my father had nine brothers and sisters. So I got a whole bunch of cousins on that side. And my mom had 16 brothers and sisters. And um, at my at the mattress house, because the name mattress often gets lost. Everybody's concentrating on Bozeman. But at the at the mattress house, it's like this three bedroom house, uh, normal size house. It's, it's a road called Mattress Road. 
So all the families on this road are mattresses. <laughs> and, and there's and there's there's like land. There's like acreage of land, north, south, east, and west, as far as the eye can see. And it's just a bunch of kids running in and out of the house, playing kickball and football and basketball and riding bikes and playing dodgeball. That's how we grew up. Wow. Not just Thanksgiving, but um, that could happen on any given Sunday, like the like the football movie was. <laughs> no, it's the 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 thing to do would be to to converge on that house, and uh, the aunts and the uncles and their children would converge on that house, and we we would just run wild all all day. That's so my so my cousins were my friends, mm -hmm. and still are. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, without spilling the tea a little bit, you know, which uh, aunt, aunt couldn't cook? Because there's always, always one aunt in the family that swear they can cook. Like they that cook. aunt that don't know how to make macaroni salad, but always makes the macaroni salad. Or <laughs> The honest answer <laughs> is all of my aunts can't cook. Good. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not just saying it to be nice. Like, cause, cause, cause my grandmother could could cook, and they all cook just like her. It's like all their food basically tastes tastes the same way. You can go to any of their houses, and the way they did it is because there were there were there were so many people to feed. They had like like assignments on who's going to bring what realizing that you're going to have to feed anywhere between 50 to 60 to 70 to 100 people anywhere from 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 60 to a to probably over over 100 people and they pulled it off like clockwork that's amazing wow that's amazing i mean there was like there's like who was that how do they decide who's allowed to have seconds Huh? <laughs> How they decide who was allowed to have seconds? It was enough so that everybody could have, everybody could have seconds, Gee. and and you can take food home with you. That's amazing. Cakes. I mean, it's like an amazing. It's it's like an operation almost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like like an operation. Anybody who I've ever taken with me to my grandmother's house, they've been shocked by by what they saw. Either they were shocked or they were shocked and scared because there's so many people there. It makes me think of was it Roscoe's family with Martin Lawrence, Roscoe what was it? Roscoe something vacation reunion? Yeah it was yeah Roscoe, Roscoe mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. <laughs> I have a and then, then the other part of yeah. the question what would it be like without Chad? Um, it's going to be hard. Yeah, it's going to be hard because 
those were, I mean, those, those are the times that, that you look forward to seeing everybody, you know, but I, I really enjoyed seeing him and our, the biggest part of our relationship was the conversations that we had, you know, the, uh, things that we talked about, we would have like really, really deep, deep conversations, um, surrounded around books, you know, uh, what book I was reading, what book he was reading. Uh, um, we would exchange books and we would, I mean, that was, that was the really, the foundation of our relationship after basketball went away, it became books. So to not see him again, I mean, that's what I think about every day actually is like I'll say to my wife every day, my brother is gone. I'm I'm not gonna ever see my brother again. Yeah. You know, and it's it's like it's 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 hard to it it's hard to come to grips with that. It doesn't compute, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, because he was so young, he was too young and too healthy and too strong. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I try to put myself in that mindset sometimes with I haven't lost somebody super lost family as I was growing up, um, but I wasn't really a mature adult when I've lost somebody really close to me uh, that I see all the time or just get up and call in routine. And I try to imagine what that must that you're not you can't you can't any for the rest of your time. Yeah. You can't. And I, I it allows me to, I do my best to try to get in that space. And it hurts. It's a hurt in my stomach when I actually allow myself to really see like where I, 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 they're gone. Like I never get to get this again. I can't think that way. You have to change your, it's like, it's a new day. Yeah. You had your whole life with that person. Now it's the next day. And this, the part doesn't change that aspect. It's a, I say for like your nuclear family you grow up with, you have two days with each of them. Your parents are interesting one. Well, each place, well, if you have siblings, it's the day with and without, but then there may come the day you have no no siblings. So that's a day separate. And with your parents, you have the day that both of them are there, and then you have the day when you don't have your parents any longer. Those are distinct days that, that you never get to change. And I, I'm betting it makes you look at your own life and how time has taken you to this space right now where I don't have my, my little brother anymore, but we were just children. Right. We were just children yeah. and it's taken me here now. And I think it gives you a greater sense of this world we live in with the concept of time. And it's really like an illusion at, at times yeah. where you, you, you just saw so much ahead of you, but all of a sudden you're at the end of that, that, that segment. Like, yeah. How did you get here? How did this happen? Yeah. That's so true, man. Yeah, scripture scripture tells us that life is but a vapor. It goes away like a mist. That's a beautiful example. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like and then just going off what you just said, it's like time is just like racing. Yeah. It's it's as if it's moving slow, but it's moving a breakneck speed at the same time amazing it's and the thought that that 
he and I actually had about this time of year, uh, we would always say that that the slaves worked all year, right? Just to have one day off. Yeah. And that it's really the same thing that's still going on. We work all year just to have one day off. When you talk about Thanksgiving and Christmas, two days off. And then one of those days off, if you don't exercise a whole lot of wisdom, you're gonna find yourself uh, uh, without a whole lot of your money. So yeah, that, and, but his, his, and he came up with that, that, that we work all year to be off for, one day and even with him being who he became he still felt like that i have a question um, and thank you for sharing that um what do you think is the i don't know if he ever told you or you just saw him react differently with it uh it was the single role character character he played um that was most meaningful to his own personal life and what he cared about. So you, uh, the names that I know, and if I'm missing any, forgive me, please. You have James Brown, you have Jackie, um, you have the Black Panther, we'll go with that ca- as a character. Is there any, did he, anybody else? Actor roles? Uh, uh, yeah, he did. Marshall, mm-hmm. did you say Marshall? Uh, right. Um, so, as, as as far as the biopics, it's those three. Then he he played this guy from from South Africa in Message to the to the to the to the King. He played a football player in a couple of movies. One one a small part, one a larger part. But what I the the role that I heard him say was the most powerful or profound or moving for for him was Marshall. Mm-hmm. Thurgood Marshall. That's the one that I I've heard him say before was the one that what was your question again? That no, which one was the most meaningful to him of I think it was Marshall. I think it was Thurgood Marshall. Thank you, Pastor. Well that's yeah, um, this is, was wow, a powerful conversation. Just you know, very emotional. I got kind of teary a little bit, to be honest with you. Um, before we come to a closing, uh, can you kind of talk about, you know, without getting into detail, that last uh, conversation with your with your brother before he passed? Like I said, you don't have to go into the actual conversation, but can you kind of talk about that that last, you know, that moment? you know, that conversation you had with him? The last conversation I had with him when he was cognizant, he was always there because he his he had like a steady decline in being all the way there in his head because the pain had gotten so, so great. Um, was it was about him uh, him him accepting the fact that he was no longer going to be here you know 
it was like him 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 accepting that and him throwing little hints out to everybody and he talked in riddles usually um you had to figure out what he was talking about which was easy to do usually for me for others it may have been hard but he said um that he was in the fourth quarter and that he needed me to get him out of the game that was how he told me ultimately that he was tired of being here and that he himself felt like he was dying he had spent the whole time in faith um believing that he was going to beat it but at the end he he came to grips with the fact that that he wasn't going to get any any better um the medicine had stopped working to the point that they wouldn't they didn't give it to him any 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 longer it was just opiates pain medicine so that was our last conversation one of the last things i heard him say though that that wasn't necessarily a a conversation between the two of us is we were watching um footage of the young man i don't know what city he was in they got shot in the back when he was trying to get in his car um like was his last name blake or Flake? i think so I think so. He just he just looked at me and he said, we have to do something about that. That's one of the last things. That's one of the last cognizant things that he said. But the but the um, but the but the conversation part is um, it was the fourth quarter analogy. And um, before we end the show, can you um, end the show with a prayer? as we get ready for Thanksgiving? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. All right, Father, we come before your presence with all Thanksgiving. Um, God, we thank you for, for what you've given. We thank you for what you've taken away, and we thank you for what you've left us with. Father, we ask that you would uh, increase our wisdom, increase our strength, um, God, we ask that you would allow us to grow closer to you. And God, we, we just want to thank you, not just for this particular season, but for the many dangers and trials that you have brought us through that we, that we know about. And then God, you're so good that you don't even let us see everything. You bring us through things before they even hit our front door. God, we thank you for our families. God, we thank you for uh, the means of income that you've given us, God. God, we thank you for our health, for our children, and for our spouses, our significant others. God, we thank you for everything. This we pray to you in the name of Yahshua HaMashiach. Jesus the Messiah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, stay close to your family. 
Boy, you got a final word, bro? Just thank you. Thank you. Oh, oh, oh. Why? What I do? <laughs> I'm just talking. Well, thank you for just taking your time with opening your open up with your story and then ending it with 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 a prayer. Well, well, thank y'all. Thank y'all for um, for talking to me. Um, this is like like a therapy for me. Yeah. And anytime you want to come back on and just talk about other things, you're always welcome to come on. Yeah, and it's like I'm only led to talk to certain people, you know, because um, there's all kinds of people that want to talk, but I'm only led to talk to certain people, and you're one of those people. So thank you, thank I you. Hope, I hope you, I hope you got, I hope this found its way into you someplace the same way it did for us. This was very special, and you, you opened up about the most precious thing in your heart right now to two strangers. So that I understand. And then you gave us a beautiful, beautiful farewell. All right. Yeah. I understand when I say thank you, that's what it's for. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Oh, God, sir. No, I was just, I was just wishing Mr. Boyd the best on all the, all the endeavors that he talked about before we started recording. And uh, best to you also, Mr. Street, on everything that you're trying to trying to do. And I hope the people in those stores don't don't drive you crazy. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I signed up for the job, but so someone got to do it. But yeah. again, after this interview, we're no longer strangers. So thank you guys yeah. for your time. Right. Amen. So for you, yeah, yo. There whenever it matters, and even more when you feel like it doesn't. Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't. Know I'm right alongside you. Here but that, I'm behind you, but always got you. End of discussion, nothing means more. First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for. Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours. And know that I ain't see a better view yet. I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret. Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak to change what a partake. Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway. My job is to aware you, fully loaded. Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, I've been down. Cause failing's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all. My message to any dad, man, first off, know that, yeah, it, it is a hard job, but it's the greatest job in the world. I wouldn't trade it for anything, I wouldn't change anything about it. Everything you're doing from here on out. If it didn't have purpose before, now it has purpose. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. Just be a dad.